You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. sunshine outside well don't get there you're like already like oh it's too hot and just like a month ago you're like it's too cold we should stop raining we should rain more it's like you know we go back and forth don't we i do it too it's okay um glad you're here this morning again remind you of our prayer gathering tonight love to see you here it's a way to get to know people better also and get connected to people here at the church, learn more about each other. Um, but, uh, so be here at, at 6.30 this evening. But we're in the book of Job. We've been there for four weeks. Um, I can't even remember where I'm going in here. I'm not turning into Job, okay? Um, I, it's one of those mornings where I, I thought of something else, thought of something else, I'm going to go back to it. And so... Things change in the midst of what's going on. Sorry. but So go back and listen online and catch up with us if you haven't been with us, um, especially if you're going through some suffering right now. But honestly, you know how it is. If you're not going through it now, you will at some point, and you need to be prepared to go through suffering is what we've been talking about. Um, and so you'll want to listen to that stuff. Um, Job is a book that that gets us prepared for that. Um, there we go. We'll get to you later. You stay right there. Um, but we we have seen Job go through an incredible. Sorry, my mind was distracted there for a minute. Through some incredible suffering, more than we could imagine, and we've seen Job lose everything within just a couple of days. Um, to lose. His, everything but his wife. Uh, at one point, he probably wishes she would just go away too because uh, she tells him to curse God and die. Um, and so, uh, and some of you are like, well, that's no big deal. I hear that from her every day. But um, for Job, that was very troubling, okay? And so, and then his friends come along and give him all kinds of grief too and say, it must be your fault. You must have sinned. And Job remains faithful to God and declares his innocence, as the beginning of the book tells us, he was blameless, didn't mean he was perfect, but he was a man who repented of his sin and was, in God's eyes, was righteous, and there was not sin there, it was not because of a lack of faith that Job was going through it, but it was because of his faith that he was going through this, that loses ten children, all his possessions, and his health in a matter of a couple of days, and yet Job remains faithful to God, worships him, and seeks after him, and we see that Job truly does treasure God above all of those things in the midst of that or above anyone else, that Satan was wrong. That's what started this whole thing is God and Satan had this conversation, and Satan would say, Job doesn't love you, which God's the one that brought it up. He said, hey, have you seen Job? And so uh, Satan says, yeah, but he just loves you because you give him all that stuff. And God says, no, not true. In fact, I'll show you. And so he goes through the suffering to prove God's worth, to show his glory, um, to show that he is enough for us and he is good in and of himself, not just because he gives us stuff. And then in the midst of this book, the bulk of its argument um, between Job and his friends is what we got in, we've got into the last couple of weeks. And, and from there, from chapter three and four on, uh, we see him get into this argument with his friends, friends convinced, you have sinned, that's all they knew, we talked about last week about um, you reap what you sow, that happens, Uh, it's a cursed world, so bad things are going to happen to us, but overarching all of that is God has a purpose, and so we have to filter through all of that and and understand God's grace and all of it and how in his purpose he's setting that cursed world and our bad decisions and all. he's trying to make a way for all that to be set right through his grace. And so 
his friends are convinced. No, the only thing is you've, you're reaping what you sow, you must have sinned. And he, he, but the fact is he has no unrepentant sin in him. And his friends declare um, that, that for him to say that would be to say that God is therefore unjust because they don't understand things in any other way. Their theology doesn't allow for, well, it's a cursed world, so bad things happen, or it's uh, God's purpose, and so therefore someone who is innocent might suffer. They didn't have a category for that. So we talked about the last week the framework for suffering, the different cause and, and, and the difference between cause and effect and purpose. To not look back in our suffering, not to sit and dwell on, well, what caused this? What, what made this happen, and could I have changed something? Because you can't at that point. But rather to look forward to purpose, and our hope causes us uh, to look forward and say, well, what's the result of this going to be? What's going to come out of this? God, I'm, I'm depending on you. My hope is in you, and I know if I just stick with you, then, then there's a purpose in it, and something's going to come out of this. That I'm, I'm going to look for the result, not for the cause. And Job teaches us to look for that future result, and that there are times that you do reap what you sow, and there are times when the cursed world knocks us down, but above all that, it's God's purposes at work, so therefore focus on the results by God's grace. So today we skip ahead, and and I would encourage you to go back and read through the, the arguments between Job and his, and, and his friends, and you say, well, that, that seems like that'd be pretty tough and enduring. Well, it gives you a sense of what Job went through. I think all that's there in order to teach us how to have perseverance and endure and see that suffering doesn't just end just like that. It's not just, God help me, and he goes, oh, okay, and it just all goes away. But yet, there is a way in to go through those things and have hope, and even when your friends are badgering you and everybody seems against you, it's something to read through and say, there is hope in the end. You can get there. You can make it through this, because often that's where we get to, right? We get to that point where we just think, I just can't make it. I can't do this. I just can't take it anymore. And we start speaking those kind of things into our life instead of speaking truth into our life, which Job teaches us. There is a purpose. There is hope. God is good. I can make it by his help, with his help. And telling ourselves those things instead of speaking lies to ourselves, believing the lies that the enemy tells us. And so this chapter is where uh, this this banter between Job and his friends kind of ends. And then there's this, this chapter 28 is where we'll be today, is where some argue, come to the conclusion, well, the writer of Job can't be Job himself because this kind of takes a break and steps away from all that and kind of addresses the reader. And so how would that be Job because of how it sounds? Because it's kind of like this little intermission. It's like, okay, Job's friends and his wife and Job and everybody kind of goes to the bathroom and intermission and, and somebody comes out and does a little uh, act during the intermission to kind of keep everybody their attention. But it's, it's, it's not that simple of a little interlude. It's, it's very powerful what's said in here. And it addresses a lot of things that I will say in passing in sermons that it's just, here it is. This is the point. And, but some argue this is not Job, but rather the author must be someone else because he steps outside the story a moment and addresses us, the reader. And I'm not sure who wrote the book. I've looked at different opinions on that. I'm sure some of you here have opinions on that, but whether it's Job or him or someone else, it still remains the important thing is not who wrote it, but what does it say? And that's what I like to focus on as much as understanding the context, which helps us many times. But the argument between Job and his friends that started in chapter 4 that we covered last week and goes until this break uh, in chapter 29, Job will step back in after this kind of setup for it because this starts this kind of apex of what's going on and it's going to come to this conclusion and where we'll get to in the next couple of weeks. But this Job will step back in right after this chapter and begin all over again with his just pouring out his heart to God, seeking God, God, where are you? And, and, and it'll be Job back in speaking. Um, feeling abandoned by God 
um, but for now comes a setup, so to say, for the conclusion that, that's going to be arriving in the next few chapters in the book of Job. And this is a chapter kind of of reflection in the midst of the book and then goes back to Job in the next chapter. It's just, it's just a strange little piece that gets put in in this book, and so I wanted us to look at it. Job 28, we'll read through the chapter 1 through 28 together. It says, Surely there is a mine for silver in a place where they refine gold. Iron is taken from the dust and copper is smelted from rock. Man puts an end to darkness and to the farthest limit he searches out the rock and gloom and deep shadow. He sinks a shaft far from habitation, forgotten by the foot. He's me, it's, it's going into mining. Interesting, isn't it? Okay, let's take a break from all this suffering and let's talk about mining for a minute. You know, it takes light down into the dark places and and goes into the, it goes down where there's gold and silver and man can do this. It's a it's and what this is starting is this thing of man can do some amazing things. That's where he's starting is to say this is incredible that man can do this. It says they hang and swing to and fro far from men. The earth from it comes food, and underneath it is turned up as fire. Its rocks are the source of sapphires, and its dust contains gold. The path no bird or prey knows. And here he starts going into this thing of how superior in creation man is. That he can do these things. Birds can't do this. As fierce as a lion is, he can't do this. It's amazing. The path no bird of prey knows, no, nor has the falcon's eye caught sight of it. The proud beasts have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. As much as you look in awe at those things, God has made us far more intelligent. That's where he's kind of going. We have these abilities far above all of the rest of the creation. We are God's special creation. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the base. He hews out channels through the rocks, and his eye sees anything precious. He dams up the streams from flowing, and what is hidden he brings out into the light. He's saying, look at how amazing. What, look at what you guys can do. You know you're getting set up, right? Okay? When the Bible starts bragging on you, you just got to watch out because something's coming to like bring humility back into the deal, right? Because that's where this is going. It's, he's saying, man, you guys are so smart. It's amazing what people can do. Incredible. And you think about technology today and where we've got to, computers in our pockets. I mean, it's just amazing what, what man can do. Now look where it goes in verse 12. But where can wisdom be found? Where's the place of understanding? Man does not know its value. Nor is it found in the land of the living. It's not, it's not amongst us in this room without the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's where that'll go. We can't, we can't come up with it on our own. It's not going to be a meeting down here in town later, and they're going to go, oh, we've got all the answers. We have it, right? The deep says, it is not in me. And the sea says... It is not with me. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it. You can't buy wisdom. Not divine wisdom. Not divine understanding. Not godly wisdom. You can't buy it. Somebody bought it for you, but you can't buy it. Pure gold cannot be given in exchange for it, nor can silver be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir, it, in precious onyx or sapphire, gold or glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for articles of fine gold. Coral and crystal are not to be mentioned. And the acquisition of wisdom is above that of pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. Nothing compares to the weight of and value and importance to godly wisdom. You cannot buy it, and it is, it's just eternally important. It's 
It's more important than fame or being great at some sport. Or it's, it's far greater to be wise in the things of God than, than anything else in life. It says, where then, in verse 20, does wisdom come from, and where is the place of understanding? Where does it come from? Who can find it? How, do, how does this work? Like, we can dig into the ground and get all these this gold, silver, diamonds, all these things, but where, we go, where do we find this kind of wisdom, this kind of understanding? Verse 21, thus, it is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon, which is a word for destruction and death, say, with our ears we have heard a report of it. It's like, we've heard a rumor about this. Like, like I've, we've heard that, that this kind of wisdom exists. They say, we've heard God understands its way and he knows its place. I, I think I heard somebody talking about this once. It's kind of what it sounds like, right? I heard about this once, and supposedly God knows where to find wisdom. He knows where it's at. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. In other words, he's all-knowing. When he imparted weight to the wind and meted out the waters by measure, when he set a limit for the rain and a course for the thunderbolt, then he saw it and declared it. He established it and also searched it out. And to man he said, look where this goes. Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. Isn't that strange? In the midst of a, a book about suffering, and Job and talking about suffering, we, we get this, that hey, in the midst of your suffering, the fear of the Lord is, is real wisdom. And departing from evil is understanding. It's that don't let your suffering make you get bitter. Let it make you better. Don't let your suffering cause you to say, well, who cares? Well, if God doesn't care, then I don't care. If God isn't going to help me, there's nothing I can do. And, and often... We just we, we depart from what we know to be true, what we've seen and what we're sure about in the light. We just we doubt in the darkness and we walk away from it. And we can't do that. It's saying don't do when you get godly wisdom, you don't do that. You understand differently. You understand how things work. Not like the world works, but how divine wisdom works. So that's just that's it's an amazing chapter of scripture altogether. How better could all that be said? I mean, I just there's part of me that read that, and I just went, I don't even know where to go with that because I'm just like I can't say it any better. So why why ramble on? But it, it makes sense when we read it. Like when we read this stuff, we go, yeah. That, well, hopefully, it makes sense to you. But, but do you hear what's being looked for in the mess? And it's Job's deal. It's it's what he keeps. God, where are you? I need you because you understand how all this works, and I don't. So I need you to help me. Without you, I can't figure this out. I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know what to do in the midst of it. God, without your wisdom, how do I walk through this? It's it's what it's the place he comes to. And in that. I hope, I hope for a lot of us that's where we get to in the midst of what we go through. Is we, you have those places where you go, I just don't know what to do. I don't know, I don't know why this is happening. And that's a big question that comes. Why is this happening? We talked about that last week. We want to know everything. We want understanding. Somehow we think we'd feel better if we could just understand it all. And I'll just give, go ahead and give you the spoiler. Having knowledge and all that isn't where it's at. It's being in a relationship and knowing God that makes it all better. Even when we don't know, He does and we trust Him and it makes it all better. And we know He's good and I can trust Him and He's faithful and He's working everything out for my good and I just want to stay faithful to Him and the result will come that He has put into play for a purpose. We want to be all-knowing. We want to be like God. 
but yet he says, I'm God, and you just got to trust me. That's what I'm working in you in this. We want wisdom to deal with what is what is understood, what we think we understand, but he says, but to destruction and death, they only have heard a rumor about where to find wisdom and understanding. They heard that God knows. They heard there's divine wisdom, the wisdom that God has, the understanding that God has, because verse 24, he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything. And that, I alluded to that. God is all-knowing. He's all-present. God is all-powerful. Okay? But what is referred to here is that God knows everything. He's all-knowing. And, and you maybe heard it said this way, time and space, God doesn't dwell in time and space, but time and space dwell in God. Like, He made it all, so He's not like on a timeline with us. He sits outside of time and space, and He sees every bit of it. He, in His economy, He's a million years in the past. He's a million years in the future all at one time. He sees it all. He sees the whole timeline, stands back and looks at it. He's not waiting on something to happen. He, he already sees it all. All of that is in him. He made time and space. And actually in Proverbs 3, it says he made all of creation... Out of what? In Proverbs 3, it says it made all of, of creation out of his wisdom and understanding. Isn't that amazing? When you get back here at Job and what we're reading in verse 28, hey, there's this, there's this, where do you find wisdom? Well, that's exactly what God used to create everything. And in, in Proverbs 3, in verse 19 and 20, it says, the Lord by wisdom, I didn't put this in the, the slide, sorry, but the Lord by wisdom, Wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. It's like he had so much wisdom. Like, you know why everything's ordered so perfectly? Why the earth is, is tilted exactly the way it should be? The sun, all this stuff, how everything works so that we don't burn up, so that we don't freeze to death, so that we don't fly out into space, gravity, all these things, how, our, how all this stuff works, right down to the design of our eye, which is infinitely beyond anything doctors have been able to figure out we just got the basics of some things i mean the human body is so complicated obviously right there's just there's it's so amazing that god out of that wisdom and understanding made all of this and it works because he set it into motion by his wisdom and understanding there is divine wisdom and understanding to be had and god has made a way for us to have it if we're his or at least to be given little by little. We'll never be all-knowing, okay? You just have to get over that, right? We're not going to be all-knowing, all-powerful, all, you know, ever-present. We're just, that's not going to be us, okay? That's God. But we can trust Him and follow Him, the one who does know it all. So if you're looking for someone to follow and you're looking for a place to for guidance, and I need hope, and I need help, and I need, I would say the guy that's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present. That, that's the guy I would go with, okay? Above anybody else or anything else you can think of. He's the one that stands outside of it all, sees it all. I'm going with him, okay? And if you are suffering this morning if things aren't the way you know for us a lot of times we struggle because it's things just aren't the way i want them to be right and you struggle i I hope you find today in the message in these passages encouragement and a new perspective on what to do when you have a why, because we all have, God, why? I need wisdom and understanding because I need to know why. And it just seems like God isn't giving you a why. You have those why questions, like I said last week, and so often I have to stand and look at people and go, I don't know because I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the guy. I'm not the one rumored about where all the wisdom and understanding comes from. Okay. I know him, but it's not me. 
I have to say I don't know a lot. But then the, the follow-up later is, hey, I, I don't know. I can't, I don't, I, I can't imagine. Now, I stood with a, there was a funeral Friday night I did and graveside service yesterday, but this pastor that I did the funeral with, he did, did the obituary and the, spoke a little bit at the beginning. We were standing there talking before we were getting ready to walk into this funeral. And I'm like, hey, I, I, and I just met this guy, and he's in his 80s sweetest man just I'm just like I want I literally when I got done talking to him and being around him that evening I just wanted to 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 say hey you're a retired pastor now could you just could you do me a favor could you come to our church like once a month and just meet with our young men and let them just hang out with you and you just talk to them because they need whatever this is you got like I'm telling you or at least just come hang out with my kids okay right I mean, the, the things you can get from somebody that age that understands life, has walked with God that long, he just has a wisdom and an understanding that he has received from God. I'm just, I was just amazed by him, okay? But I, but I heard him talking about his wife, and I said, um, we're getting ready to walk into this, to this funeral. I said, hey, I, I heard you talking about your wife earlier, that she's really sick. You know, it, how's she doing? Well, she died two months ago. And he just, he starts crying. And I'm like, way to go, Marty. Good job, buddy. <laughs> you ever just walk into those things and go, well, okay, that was really dumb to ask that question right then. It just was. But to hear, to hear, just, and he, he got teary-eyed and just, but then in, he walks in and one of the things he says about this lady who had passed, it wasn't his wife, it was, it was a Jason Murphy. You guys, some of you guys know him. He, him and his wife have come here for a while. His mother passed away this past week. He used to work for Granger Sheriff's Department now in Blount County. But he, uh, he was talking about his, he said, I understand. I understand. And I loved how he said it because this is where we're going to get to in a minute, his understanding of these two things. He said, uh, he had such a peace about him and just such a, he just he got it, but he said, "You know, I'm, our relationship, our connection to people in the flesh makes us miss people, but our connection and our relationship in spirit makes us rejoice and have hope." There's a difference between this, what we have in the flesh, and what we can have in the spirit. And it was just awesome to hear, to watch him operate out of that understanding of the spirit I'd, I'd just I'd love to just import that man and just say I, I just want to hang out with him you know what I mean just one of those guys I'm like just amazing but job himself asks the question and I'm, I'm sure Ken, this pastor Kenny had had maybe asked this over and over and over God, why? Why does it have to be this way? I understand where things are at in the spirit, but I miss her in the flesh. And so Job asks why over and over to God, why do I have to suffer like this? Why is this happening to me? And for Job, God is silent. We know at the beginning of the book why Job was suffering, but Job didn't know the conversation between God and Satan. But we get to read that Job was blameless and suffering because he loved God so much, not suffering because of his lack of faith, but because of his great faith in God. But no one else in the story knows this. So why does God not answer our why? You know, we pile whys on top of whys, right? What do we do when God doesn't answer? How can we find wisdom and understanding? And what will we find, and what we will find in this chapter is that we are powerless. That's what he's saying at the beginning. I mean, as smart as you are, you're powerless to figure out the wisdom and understanding that belongs to God. In and of yourself, you can't discover it. But that wisdom does exist, not just a rumor or hearsay, it exists. How do we get any of it? So these verses explain to us that man cannot discover divine wisdom and understanding on his own, regardless of how smart he may be, how creative man is or able, what he's able to do on this earth, Okay. No amount of progress, technology, education, 
health care or any other advancement is going to obtain divine wisdom and understanding for anyone. Ever. Okay? It's what this chapter explains. And it's still true as long ago as this was written. It's still true. And, and we can look at it and we know it. What government has ever bought, brought like utopia to people? Right? It made everything just right. It doesn't exist. Okay? No amount of technology, no education system, none of it has it right. Okay? Not even the good old United States of America. Right? And our wonderful government. You'd think everybody would be happy, right? It does not work. It's not what brings that kind of happiness. But he's, he's, he starts by talking about mining. Be, you know, for us, being able to get all the things from this world and this earth that we think are valuable. And that's the pursuit a lot of people are on. Gold, silver, fine jewels, amazing that we can go over under the ground and extract these things. We can farm and make bread for ourselves. We're pretty cool, right? It, it says we can build dams to benefit us. Think how far we've come today, right? Computers in our pockets, like I said, but no matter how much we advance, we cannot get divine wisdom and understanding. We, I've said it before, and I'll say it till the day I die. The answers to man's ultimate dilemmas and problems are not found in government and better health care, better education, better whatever. None of that can fix the human heart. That's our problem. None of it can bring godly wisdom and understanding. Only Jesus can do that. The issue lies in that, in that we must know God. We must have salvation. We've we got to be born again, as the Bible talks about, to have the Holy Spirit to understand the deep wisdom of God. That's, it, it has to be transferred spiritually. It can't just be transferred by human ways to, to understand how this really works. And I was going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, but I, I just want to read, I know this sounds crazy, I'm going to read that, that chapter to us. It's not that long. But this is amazing so that you get this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 14, I know that's probably all that's in there. You can put that up there because that's the main one. But it says, and when this is Paul speaking to the church at Corinth. And he says, and when I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him, and him crucified. See, that's where it starts. Like I have to start in understanding that Jesus came to restore my relationship with God so that I can understand anything and get wisdom because the Holy Spirit's what's going to reveal it to me, as he says in a moment. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, a wisdom, however, not of this age. There's not a time on this. God's wisdom doesn't have a time limit on it. It's not like, oh, that's old stuff out of the Bible. That's just, that's, that's old and antiquated, right? However, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away, but we speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, the wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But just as it is written, things which eye has seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. So you can get into this thinking too of, man, that's, it's unique how God designed things and the crucifixion of God and uh, of Jesus through, through that happening and before then, before this time now when we can have the Holy Spirit in us. They didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. They couldn't do that. So therefore they didn't really understand, so they crucified Jesus. Like this whole plan is like, you just go, God, is, he's just so much smarter than we are, right? It's, it's, it's just amazing, Okay. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit teaches all things. 
Here we go. Even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? You're the only one that really knows who you are inside except God, right? Like you're, there's, there's spirit inside of you. You're sitting here looking at me right now and I can know some things about you, but you, there's thoughts going on in your head that I just don't even want to know, okay? Take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ if, that, if that's where you're at right now sitting in church, okay? It's just, remember one time hearing Rocky talk about, you know, the thought bomb. You know, you'd be sitting in church and all the, you're just like, yes, yes, and you're praising God, and then all of a sudden this thought comes in your mind, and you're like, where did that come from, right? You're like, I was thinking about God, and now my mind's over here somewhere thinking about something I shouldn't be thinking about, right? And it's just these thought bombs that get dropped in. Satan comes by and goes, distract that one, right? Anyway. But it's, it's only you really know what's going on inside your mind. Knows the depths of your heart and your soul and what's in there. And in the same way, only the Holy Spirit, our spirit knows us. Holy Spirit knows God. So it's through the Holy Spirit that we are, is the only way we can really get, know what, understand God's wisdom and his understanding. Makes sense, Right? For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. You understand? But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they, they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. That's why we get off track in the midst of our suffering, because we're, we're looking at things from a human standpoint and in our flesh, not letting the Spirit speak to us and guide us through it and getting it by the wisdom of God. But he who is spiritually a but he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Isn't that an incredible thought? That we can see things as God sees them, that we can, we can tap into that, that Holy Spirit can teach us things that we would otherwise. That's, that's why you see a lot, of your, you know, a lot of your friends, a lot of people that you know that don't know Christ, and they look at you and go, why do you want to follow that? Why do you want to do that? That's just judgment and hatred. And, and we're going, no, if you read this, if you understand Jesus, man, he, he, it's, it's love, it's grace, it's a gift, it's wonderful, okay? Yeah, some people have got off track with that and don't really understand who Jesus is and what they're supposed to be following, but it's, it's why they can't understand it. It's why they look at you and go, why would you give... Why do you just give money to the church? Why do you just go spend time? Why do you go clean the church? Why do you go, why do you go put up with somebody else's kids? Like, why do you do that? Like, I, you know, like it drives, like people don't understand it. Because it's, it's their human thinking. That's the way the world works. It's self. It's, but we get, you get a spiritual understanding, then you find joy and hope in those things. You're just like, man, this is great. Because it's making a difference in people's lives. I get to be like Christ, his ambassador here on this earth, when I go through trouble, I know there's a result on the other side coming, even if it's in heaven, that, that I'll, there's a great purpose in it. If I will just look to God and point to him, it'll be okay. You know, non-Christians look at us and go, why would you want to do that? And us as Christians, we look at non-Christians and go, well, why wouldn't you want this? Can't understand it, right? It's because there's a natural man and a spiritual thing going on, okay? Maybe you've heard it. He heard it put this way. I heard it from Rocky a long time ago, too. But it was, you know, we're not physical beings having a spiritual experience here on earth. We're, we're made spirit. We, we have a spirit, a soul inside of us. We're spiritual beings having a physical experience here on this earth. Okay? So we have to understand that it's through the spirit and we have to have that connection with God in order to, to get it, in order to read this. You know, you know what might be part of the problem? Because you don't read your Bible, you don't long to, you don't want to know more. There's, there's a spiritual hunger that comes. When you really have the Holy Spirit, there's a thing of just, 
he's speaking to you, you want to understand. If you've never been reading the Bible and went, oh my gosh. Like there's like I've told you this, I don't know how many times, but I do. I'll be reading something and I'll, I'll be in the office or back when we were at Kingswood. And I'll just get up out of my desk and be like, can you believe that? Can you get that connect? Like I start talking as though there's somebody else in the room, right? Do you get that connection? That's amazing right there. And that goes back to this verse and connects to this, and that means this, and it just blows my mind. And I have to just go walk around the church. Like I'll go walk around here, or I'll walk around. If it's raining, I'll just come pace in here. And I just, I don't know, maybe that's the little bit of the Pentecostal side coming out in me or something. Like I, I just I have to walk. And I'm like, it just gets me all, and I'm like, there's no way in and of myself I could have seen that. Like I didn't, I didn't, like go, look how smart I am, right? I figured that out. Is that not awesome? Yay me for figuring that out, right? Did you see those dots I connected? No, I, I walk around going, God, that's amazing. Like, like God, you're, you're incredible. Thank you for showing me that. Like I've read that 15 million times and I never saw that before. That's why it talks about the living word, like the... If you've never had those moments, I I just really evaluate where you're at. I mean, I just would, okay? I'm not trying to insult anybody. I want you to know God and be amazed by Him and love Him and 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 just read this and go, that is so cool. That's what I was reading. I was just going over my notes in 1 Corinthians 2.14. So I was like, man, I'm going to go read that whole thing. So I went and read it, and I was like, I got all excited about it. And I'm like, well, I'm reading that whole thing in the service this morning because that's just amazing. Like, you can't just take that verse out of there and really get the impact of what's being said, right? And that's, that's what, I'm, what you're seeing is what I'm talking about. Like, I, I so want you to have this so that when the suffering comes, when the bad times come, there's that spirit inside you that gives you this, that you go, you know what, this really stinks, okay? Got a new dynamic going on in here, okay? This, this really stinks. That what I'm going through, I don't like. I don't want to be here. But you know what, God? I'm trusting you. I'm going to keep looking to, to what you have said in your word. Like, when I don't know what to do, I'm just going to do what I know to do. I don't know how many times I can say that, but that's usually always our problem. It's as though it's some kind of ex- legitimate excuse. Well, I'm going through hard times, so I can just go back to drinking again. I'm just going through hard times so I can go back to those addictions. I'm going through hard times so I can just, I don't, you know what? Forget church, I ain't going because I'm going through a hard time. What? Like, you see how, like when I say that, you go, yeah, that doesn't make any logical sense. If you're a Christian, you're like, that doesn't even make sense, right? I just don't even want to be around people. You, you know where that comes from? That didn't come from God. God goes, you know exactly where I put you? You have a church family. You have brothers and sisters in Christ around you. Yeah, you may have moments, you know. You may have moments where you're just like, I just, I don't, like right now I just need a moment of peace, right? I get that. But you don't, you don't just exit from biblical community and fellowship in the midst of your hard time. Like that's the worst thing you can do. That, like you, God has put that, there's a verse that talks about how it's, we perseverance of the saints it's one of the it's the two and a half points of calvinism i agree with like there's one called perseverance of the saints so it's and and the bible says that god has put fellow believers around you to help you persevere that's how he does it and it's those who persevere to the end who show they really were christians to begin with okay i agree with that i don't believe you can lose your salvation i believe if you don't persevere to the end you never had what you thought you had it's why you don't get excited about this, okay? It's why you abandon community. You've got to be careful, right? So there's things in your life you got to look at and go, why is it I, 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 don't, I gravitate away, not toward those things, especially in my suffering? Colossians 1.9 also says for this, I need to move on, I've totally abandoned, okay? Colossians 1.9 says, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all what? 
spiritual wisdom, not wisdom of the world, and understanding. Natural man in our flesh, corrupted by sin, cannot understand the things of God. The things we need ultimately are discerned spiritually, spiritually appraised. And we have a spiritual problem to begin with. So to be able to spiritually understand and appraise things, we must have this barrier that's between God and us removed so that then we can communicate in the Spirit with God to understand what all's going on, really, to give us enough to, to persevere, to get us through, to give us hope and for us to understand these things the way we need to. We may not understand all of it, but to get what God has for us, we have to have that. We have to have our relationship restored with God, have our sin forgiven so that we can have that connection spiritually. And then as we walk with Him, He reveals things to us through the Spirit. A person can be wealthy and smart, but it does not make them divinely wise and have great understanding. Same thing, a guy can be poor and seem like an awesome guru, right? But that doesn't necessarily make him divinely wise and have great understanding either. To have divine wisdom and great understanding is a gift from God that anyone can have regardless of any of those stations in life because as we read it cannot be discovered by man in his own power but we need God's power to remove our sin and for us to be able to discern it spiritually and anybody can have that it's a it's a great gift to us and so in suffering verse 28 addresses our need and how to deal with it the end of those verses the writer tells us where to find wisdom and understanding. He's like, this is how you get it. It's a spiritual thing, not a natural thing. You can't do it in your own power. You need God's power. And that's why Jesus came. God knows the way and knows its place. And when asking why and in your suffering, God says this to us. In the midst of everything that's going wrong or whatever the problem may be, God says this to, to us. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to depart from evil is understanding. That's the answer to the why question. That's not the answer we want, right? Right off, it doesn't seem like a good answer. You're like, are you talking about something else? Because I ask you a different question, right? You ever been talking to somebody and you're like, you ask them something, then they go off somewhere else, and you're like, wait, can we get back to the original question? Like, you're not answering what I ask you. Like, if you've talked to me, that's happened many times, right? Right off, it doesn't seem like a good answer. But this is the answer in Job's suffering to what he needs, because he just feels like God is absent, is not speaking, is silent. But it's a grace-filled answer. If you get this, it will give you strength in suffering. And to man, behold, the fear of the Lord. That's wisdom. To, to turn from, depart from evil is understanding. That behold word in that verse is really important. Like, it signifies special attention. It's like, yeah, we're saying a lot of stuff in the Bible. But hey, pay attention to this one. It's, it's like those places where in, in the New Testament it says, do not be deceived. What it's saying is, you're going to be deceived. You're not going to get this, probably, until you've been through this and been over it and over and over it. But, hey, I'm telling you, don't be deceived. So there's this behold, means to pay more attention right here. The wisdom we need in our suffering is the fear of the Lord. It's going, this is a great truth above everything else. And if you get that, all these questions won't, won't be as large anymore. The wisdom we need in our suffering is the fear of the Lord. And if in fear Him, it means we reverence Him. We understand His station above our station and where we are. So I fear Him means I trust Him because I know He's greater than me. I reverence Him. I submit to Him. I worship Him. I trust Him. Obey Him. And when I do all that, I, I turn away from evil and I stay locked on Him. And that is the answer to where to find wisdom. 
when we do that. And this is not wisdom you'll get from your school teacher. Love school teachers. Okay, we, we need those. This is wisdom you won't get from your local government official, your doctor. It comes from God. And that wisdom and understanding you get from God may not answer your why question, but it'll be better than anything else you can have in your suffering. How you, what you do with verse 28 will determine how you handle your suffering and whether God gets glory out of you or whether your suffering is wasted and your heart gets bitter and hardened. God isn't just going to send you a text, okay, to, in answer to your why question. You can't Google it, okay? The not knowing, okay, and the why, why won't God answer my why question? You, you know what that's meant to do? It's meant to drive us more toward God, not away from Him. God, I need you. I'm not getting, I need you. I need to know why, why, why. I'm calling it. It's meant to, to go, God, I need you. It's to drive us to that place of, God, I need you. Instead of him going, okay, well, here, I'll let you understand that. And we go, okay, thanks. This knowledge is what I needed. Thank you. No, we need him. The not knowing is meant to drive us toward Jesus not away. I've said that many times, especially on sitting in someone's home where someone has passed, has died, or in very troubling moments for people. Because they can ask why, and I can say, I don't know. And I'll just say, you know, the only thing I do know is God's not the problem. He's the answer. So you should just run toward Him he can give you way more than I can, even in this moment. Don't run from him. Run to him. He's not the problem. So it's, all this is meant to get us to seek him and call on him and worship him and get what we need in him to stop longing for your own answers and you're demanding your own way and turn to God, the God you need more than your answers. You get that? What this is saying is, don't seek wisdom and understanding per se. Seek the Lord, and He'll give that to you. That's just like a gift that you get for seeking Him and enjoying Him. We should not expect to find wisdom and to know the answers to all our questions, but rather bow in humble worship before the one who does. So we lean on Him and trust Him because He knows instead of answering our questions, questions God wants to reveal himself to us more so we depend on him more you, you get that we don't need answers we need Jesus and when we get close to Jesus then our issues with not knowing all that why and all that stuff really get small and insignificant in light of his goodness and his glory and the grace we find in God we go you know what that'll be okay because I've got this. And that's how that works. And what an ama- what's so amazing is we don't, we don't deserve answers or Jesus. Like we lose sight of all that in suffering, don't we? But Jesus came for us anyway to make a way for us to, to have God and gain some divine wisdom and understanding. God gives us a greater gift than the answer to our why question. He pursues us and pursues us and as stubborn as we can be and in our carnal minds, in our human minds he pursues us, works with us and works with us wanting to give us the greater gift of himself. Give your questions to him trust him, worship him, love him and in trusting him you get him. And that gives you peace. You know, you've heard it said, I'm sure if you've been in church a while. You know what you get for following Jesus? Jesus. Like, we're, we're looking for, like, what are we looking for? Are, are we like, hey, I want to follow Jesus so I can get all this other stuff. Because he's just not enough. 
So I need my answers. I need health, wealth, prosperity. All, like I need all this other stuff to work out right, and that's why I'm following Jesus. No. All that, if, what do you get from following Jesus? You get Jesus. And that's better than anything you can have. If you don't get that, then you may not get it. Okay? And yes, we get lost in that sometimes. Even as a Christian, we can have seasons where we're like, we get sidetracked, but we persevere. When we don't know what to do, we do what we know to do. We'll come back around and we'll get it. And we'll be like, oh, man. God, I got it. Man, I'm sorry. Right? Think about this. The question isn't really why do I suffer? Why do you suffer? But the real question is, why in the world would the sinless Son of God, Jesus, come and suffer for us? Right? In our suffering, we lose sight of that. Why? That's a question Jesus even asked on the cross. You know that? You remember? He looks toward heaven. Why? God, why have you forsaken me? So it's not like it's not okay to ask those questions. To which God would answer that question, why, why did he forsake Jesus? Just to come after us to redeem us, to be our substitute, taking on the wrath that you and I deserved, suffering we could not make it through. No way. Suffering that you and I deserved so we could know him and make it through this suffering we have while we're on this earth. We can have peace in what happens to us because we know what happened to him. You get that? Let me say that again so you get that, okay? We can have peace in what happens to us because we know what happened to him. Dying on the cross in our place for our sins so we could have eternal life with God. Jesus was forsaken by God so that we don't have to be. Why did, God, why did he send Jesus for us? For God so loved the world. He loves you more than you can imagine. More than your mama loves you. Okay? He loves you. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now that if there's someone here that who has not turned to you, has, does not have the Holy Spirit in them, has not been forgiven of their sins so they could be restored to you, that you would you would do that in them right now. That as they feel you drawing, they feel you drawing themselves to you. They feel that nudge. They feel that inside going, today's your day. Today, I'm calling you. I want you. I want to start this relationship with you. I want to forgive you of your sin. And I want you to turn to me and follow me. And I'm going to lead you through life. They see your value, they treasure you greater than anything we can discover on this earth. Greater than anything anywhere, Father. I just pray for the, that person right now. They would turn to you. They'd turn from themselves and this world's understanding and turn to you. And see, maybe this, this morning, they see how good you are, Father. They see how wonderful you are in and of yourself, and they just want you. So, Father, I pray they would just surrender to you right now. They would just say, best I know how, I'm turning to, to you, God. And thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross in my place for my sin, that I could have a relationship with you, that I could know things by the Spirit and know you more, know you more deeply. And I could walk with you. Thank you for that. Thank you for Jesus. It makes it all possible. For the rest of us here this morning, I just pray that, if there's somebody in here that maybe they would let go of the cause and effect thinking and let go just a little bit of the why questions and in their suffering in their difficulty in life right now they would just turn to you father they would just look to you they would bow before you worship you and trust you and just go hey i'm okay because i know god the father 
through his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit lives in me. So I have hope. Yeah, it stinks right now, but I have hope and I can worship and have joy. Thank you, Father, for the gift of peace and joy in the midst of all this just because I know you. Father, thank you that Jesus left heaven, came after us, that you took the first step, that you, Father, reached down to us. It's not us finding you. We have no power, no way to do that, but it's it's you coming for us. Thank you for that. So that we can be restored in a relationship to you. Thank you for that. So I just pray all this in Jesus' name.